Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Tech News Today for Monday, May 16th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail on one business day for your free 30-day trial. Go to netflix.com slash twit. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Darren Kitchen. I'm Maya Zaktar. <laughs> and I'm Jason Howell. <laughs> wasn't quite sure where that was going. But. Tom, Tom Merritt is out this week, so we're all sort of just sitting around looking at each other saying, who's doing what? Well, who's put, on first? Darren on second there. Oh, you did. I'm yeah. on Skype. Is that third? No. Well, the weird thing is you're on Skype because you were going to be in studio, so it made sense then. See, that's actually what the show is double. <laughs> the whole week is going to be strange because, of yes. course, I'm sitting in Tom's seat because he's on vacation, mm-hmm. which he deserves, but we miss him obviously, when he's not around. But Darren, you're usually here on Mondays. You're on Skype, so it's kind of just a bizarro Monday. Yeah, we actually moved into a uh, office. I'm here in the new Hack 5 studios. I guess I haven't really announced this yet, but uh, Hack 5 has new studio space in Point Richmond. Oh, right on. And uh, we're here getting everything geared up. We got a new show coming out next week that we're launching, so we're all super busy over here. Well, that's very exciting. It looks, uh, from the limited view I have, to be a very nice office. you got some exposed brick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some it's high It's actually, it's a old um, firehouse from 1910. So it's like a 101-year-old building. It's got a lot of character. And we're, yeah, just upstairs here making some TV. It's great. Well, that's very exciting. Uh, thanks for being able to join us via Skype, even though you're very busy. Of course. Um, all right. So, Ayaz, we have been talking for many weeks about PSN's outage. And it looks like we're finally getting some good news. 26 days later. We finally get some progress. Sounds on like this. a zombie movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on Saturday, that this is where we saw a bunch of news break out. That uh, we're going to go through a timeline of, of sorts because there was a lot of news in the past three days. On Saturday, on the on the fourteenth, Sony announced the restoration of PSN after twenty six days, mm-hmm. and uh, Kazuo Harai posted a near five minute video announcing the following were being restored with PSN up. Curiosity, online gaming for PS3 and PSP, Music Unlimited, access to third-party services like Hulu and Netflix, friends lists, trophies, PlayStation Home, all that stuff was back up. And he, he of course, talked about the new security features at PSN. you got to change your password, and there's a whole lot of uh, hoops you got to jump through when you do this. And uh, let's see, they've also reiterated that they have their ID, uh, identity theft protection available and their Welcome Back program, and he apologized. I mean, it's a pretty good uh, video. I took a look at it. It's got over a million views, so a lot of people were interested on that. And the stuff continued. On Saturday, still on Saturday, the uh, PSN was the service in the United States was restored. Everyone had to have the firmware upgrade to 3.6.1. Mm-hmm. And who wants to hit the password rules? Sarah, would you like to explain yeah, all of these rules? Yeah, because these, um, you know, we were talking about this with Darren before the show. It's like, is this the craziest password ever? We'll see. So password needs to uh, contain at least eight characters and must contain at least one letter and one number and must not contain a letter or a number used three or more times in a row. That's like one, one, one would be would be uh, would not be able to be used and the password must not be the same as your sign-in ID or your online ID and it must be different from a previous password now when you read this you say okay well that sounds like a pretty strong password but 
in conjunction with each other, I guess it's just Sony saying we've got to be extra, super, extra, ultra careful. Okay, two points here. It doesn't even matter how secure the password is if, you know, they're not storing it in a proper format, if they're not, you know, say, uh, encrypting everything and salting it and stuff on, on their end. Because, like, the hackers, they didn't break your, your password. They, you know, broke the PlayStation Network and stole everything. So, um, and then the other point is that, uh, you know, this, while it seems like a really secure password, it's, it's actually quite short and considering that uh you know you have to go through all these steps you know that it has to you know can't have three consecutives of this and it has to be this and this it's really only just a matter of you know somebody writing a program that generates all of the permutations of eight character passwords that conform to these rules and there you go you've got the word list that uh you can create a complete word list of every playstation uh password possible well it's at least eight characters so it's going to be eight or more so hopefully people are doing more than the minimum mm-hmm. i mean when you try to sign up there's a like it's these are all bullet points. I mean, this is what you have to do. So, I mean, I'm assuming that Sony isn't going to go back to their old way of, hey, let's just kind of leave everything let's, free and clear. Let's do what we were no, doing No, they said before. that in a statement, Sony said that they made considerable enhancements to the data security, including updating and adding advanced security technologies, adding software monitoring and penetration and vulnerability testing, and increasing the levels of encryption and additional firewalls. So whatever that means. So the, the like entry of your password of using, using that little joystick is no less annoying, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's still it a real pain to enter your password on PlayStation. Well, so Darren, you're not totally um, impressed by by this new password mandatory procedure. As long as it doesn't, I, I don't mind those rules. Those are very similar to anybody that's familiar with like uh, an exchange network or a, you know an Active Directory network. Somebody that's that you know works in the corporate world is used to having to have these complex passwords. Uh, that's you know I'm just hoping that on the back end Sony is doing the right thing and you know making sure that they're encrypting things with these passwords so that if somebody were to say again you know breach their network and steal everything, it wouldn't really do them any good. You know. Well, that's not the end of the story. On Sunday, the restoration didn't go so smoothly because everyone's doing the password resets. So yeah, they, had they to, have to. They had to turn off their services for 30 minutes to clear the queue because apparently everyone was hitting it. They have over 70 million users. That was to be expected. Service was restored in the U.S., Europe, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and parts of Europe. Service from the Middle East and Asia are still coming. Although, uh, service is not going to be allowed, at least not yet, to relaunch in, of all places, Japan. PSN in Japan, uh, their director of media and content, Kazushige Nobutani, said, hey, as of May 13th, Sony was incomplete in exercising measures that they said they would do on the May 1st press conference. He didn't say which measures were lacking. This was an interview with Dow Jones, but said there were similar cases in the past that were caused by other firms. And we're asking Sony whether their measures are good enough when compared to countermeasures taken in the past. That all sounds like... A long way to say we just don't trust you, and not just yet. I mean, this is this is kind of a huge blow for Sony. This is their home country. Their, I mean, their stuff usually does very well there, and this is the one country without it. I mean, the United States. I know a bunch of people, a bunch of my friends had it running, and they were all excited, mm-hmm. like I can play again. Yeah, yeah. But J- Japanese, they are out of luck right now. Yeah, and it sounds like they're you know they don't think Sony's gone through all of the effort that they said that they would. Uh, Japan's director of media and content in the country's Ministry of Economy, Trade, and uh, uh, an industry told uh, da- the Dow Jones that as of May 13th, Sony was, quote, incomplete in exercising measures that they said they were going to do on uh, their May 1st press conference. So it sounds like they haven't, you know, gone through and done everything that, that Japan is expecting them to do. 
I just said that. <laughs> that is but what you, know, you just said. But you know what? It's, it's still a, true. It's a quote worth repeating. <laughs> he really Thank meant you. it, everybody. Uh, you know, what's also interesting about this is apparently Amazon servers, or some of them anyway, were said to be used in Sony's attack. Um, an attack came from uh, Amazon's EC2 service, and apparently hackers rented a server with an alias. So it wasn't that they broke into Amazon servers. They rented a server, as many companies do. Um, and uh, this is uh, reported by Bloomberg through an anonymous source. And this uh, is not the group anonymous? That's right. Well, maybe it is and maybe it isn't <laughs> well, because we're seeing anonymous, anonymous right, so you the, never know. Yeah, it's, so. it's an unnamed source. Exactly. An unnamed source uh, reported to Bloomberg. Uh, for what it's worth, Amazon has not commented um, their PR team nor uh, um, a direct quote from Jeff Bezos, which was asked by Bloomberg. They're not saying anything, although the FBI is likely to subpoena Amazon over this. I mean, I ask what what do you think? You know, is Amazon what kind of hot water could Amazon be in over this? Well, I mean, if they were duped, right, if there was fake credentials and that kind of thing, I mean, they, they are subject to fraud like any other thing. Like, I mean, right. if an insurance company and somebody uh, commits fraud against them, that's not really the insurance company's fault. It's really that one a bad actor. Uh, but on the plus side, because this is through Amazon, they probably have a lot of information. They keep records. They're going to be able to go backwards and track what exactly happened. So depending how sophisticated these hackers were, either they're going to get caught because they were sloppy somewhere, mm-hmm. or, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens because a lot of information can come from Amazon to help out authorities to figure this out. Because you know Sony is not going to be just like, eh, don't worry about it. We don't want to press charges. They're going to want to know who this is and how they did this. And this this right here is seeming to be a trend. The more and more I go to the hacker cons and talk to the penetration testers, the more I'm hearing that Amazon's cloud services, the EC2 stuff, the same thing that, you know, say Netflix and Eli Lilly use to host their servers, um, it's a great platform for you to launch your attack. You know, the old adage, you don't hack a bank across state lines, you get nailed by the FBI or whatever. You know, you don't hack from your house. Or if you do, you're bouncing it through, you know, um, proxies, and, and different servers. And, and traditionally, you'd go through some sleazy virtual private server place that'll take like eGold or something that you can uh, do anonymously. Uh, but, but Amazon's EC2, from what I'm hearing from the pen testers, is so robust and can scale. Like you, can, you could rent, say, you know, 100 servers for just an hour and use them to crack like a password hash and then be absolved of them like that. So they've come up with such a great service for everyone else that the hackers are like, hey, this is a good service for me to launch my attacks from as well. They got plenty of bandwidth, plenty of resources here. So Darren, you say, I mean, there's obviously the potential for someone to exploit this. Is it just the potential that you've heard about or have you actually heard? No, of no, no. I know pen testers that use this mm-hmm. on a regular basis to launch their attacks against companies that they've been, you know, uh, contracted to audit the security of, you know, legal hacking. And, you know, if, if the legal hackers, you know, the pen testers, the, the hackers with a paycheck essentially are doing that, then there's no reason why, you know, the black hats could do the same thing to, you know, launch a attack against like Sony as they just did. And, it's it's no different from you or I renting service. They don't have to hack into Amazon or anything like that. They just need to get, you know, a fake credit card number to sign up with. All right, RIM. On to RIM. Um, they're not perfect. Who knew? One, one sad, stack, sad stack story to another sad sack. Yeah, uh, RIM has recalled almost 1,000 playbooks over OS issues, um, more like 900 faulty BlackBerry playbooks. 
Uh, they have a list of serial numbers that they have uh, released. So if you are Tom Merritt or someone else who has bought a playbook and has one in their possession, uh, it's worth looking up to see if your serial number is affected. But apparently... Uh, 900 playbooks shipped to Staples uh, have been recalled because of OS issues. And the problem specifically is that the playbooks can't load software on initial setup. Uh, Although RIM is saying that the majority of affected playbooks uh, haven't even uh, left retailers' hands. So these are most likely sitting somewhere ready to be bought by consumers rather than actually in someone's living room. So that's good news. Um, And Gadget also has a list of serial numbers. You know, I can't help but say... First of all, 900 or somewhere between 900 and 1,000 units does not sound like that much to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the iPad 2 just had probably, you know, I don't know how their, um, their, uh, the display issue that was causing some color uh, issues, how many of those were recalled. But I mean, that was something that they just went through. I mean, this is not totally uncommon, especially for a new model of something. No, but one yeah. of the weird things about the playbook is that it requires, you, you need to update it before you can use it. So when you have the device, you can't just take it out of the box and start playing and then say update later. So this effectively stops anyone from using it directly. Uh, the weird thing is that RIM could have probably done something else. It could have been like, hey, users, if you get one of these devices, uh, you can go ahead and upload the firm, or take the firmware, down, uh, download it to a USB stick and then connect it to your playbook. And they chose a totally different route. They said, forget yeah. it. We're just going to recall them. Mm-hmm. If it's only a thousand units, and let's just guess that, say, half of them are still on the store shelves. I mean, isn't it a better consumer experience to not have to have them like go and download a bin file and use another program to flash it to a USB drive and plug it into the thing and follow these steps? And you know, sure, it may be an annoyance for you know fifty, couple hundred people, whatever. Uh, is but are those people then going to be like tweeting about it and Facebooking about it and stuff like that? And uh, it may just be easier for them to save face and just get them back in, reflash them at the factory. I think it's definitely a very smart consumer strategy for RIM to do this. But apparently the stock market didn't really care for it. I mean, because their stock took a hit today, down 0.86%, so almost a percent uh, based on the news of this. Yeah, I think, uh, Darren, I think you're right where it's it's probably easier overall and 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 kind of squelches a lot of the confused blog posts or how do I do this or my playbook, what do I do by just saying, let's recall the units, get you out new units and everything's fine. But at the same time, a recall with with a with a tablet that Rim is really hoping is going to be a success out of the gate, even in small numbers, sounds bad. They don't I guess want you bad have to press. Weigh them. Yeah. yeah, you have to weigh that. Do you want, you know, the bad, like, regular pl- press of, oh, there was a recall of 900 units, or do you want the, you know, where, where the journalists that are reporting on this have the facts versus, uh, you know, just Joe Blow that's like, what, I have to, you know, that's not very technically inclined, maybe they want a tablet because it's not as complicated as a computer and then all of a sudden they need a computer to fix it and they may not have all of the facts when they go you know blurting out their about their negative experience on the social networks i think that i think that actually has more of a an impact on the brand than just going ahead and doing this recall absolutely all right we're going to get to a lot more news in just a minute but first want to take a few minutes no not a few minutes just a just a quick short sub minute, uh, if you will, to thank Netflix. They're our sponsor today, and we love Netflix. If you don't use Netflix already, you are missing out because it is the way to instantly watch as many movies as you want 
Um, prices start at about $8 a month for instant streaming. And that means instant streaming to your PC or your Mac or a Netflix-enabled device or an Xbox 360 or a PS3 or a Wii. I mean, you have so many options um, when you stream over Netflix. And there are so many titles you have to choose from, whether it's new releases or old classics or TV series. And there's no late fees. And, and it, you know, it's just, it's really kind of the modern way to absorb movies. I as and Not just movies, not just movies and television shows. If you want to get a little bit of an educational experience, they got a ton of documentaries. I was watching Absolutely. a bunch of them this weekend. So, I mean, if you just want to passively learn something, Netflix is pretty good for that. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you, you, uh, you sign up for a Netflix account, and by the way, 30 days for free. So if you're kind of like, eh, I'm on the fence, I don't know if this is the thing for me, you got a month just to play around with the service and see if it's right for you. Uh, fill up your queue, decide what movies you want to watch. Uh, you can also get DVDs in the mail if that's more your bag. Instant streaming and DVDs, so your options are covered, and again, a variety of devices to watch your content on. 30 days free, netflix.com slash twit is the URL to go to so that they know you came through us. And we thank them so much for sponsoring this episode of TNT. Now on to some kind of crazy stuff. We got Nokia killing officially the Ovi brand. Now, the Ovi stuff isn't going away. Ovi Maps is going to become Nokia Maps. And the Ovi store, I guess, will become the Nokia store. So it's more of like a rebranding type Pretty of much thing, a rebranding. Like to me. They've given up on, on using the Ovi branding. And the weird thing is, there's some rumors coming out of a, of a blogger in Russia named Eldar uh, Mert- Mertazin. Now he's had mm-hmm. a track record of Nokia leaks before. He's he's called the launch of the Ovi store. He's talked about when, when the Windows Phone Seven deal would happen in December. And somehow he always gets Nokia handsets before they're even released to the public. So Nokia has not been happy with him. He's saying on his blog that Nokia may be selling its mobile business to Microsoft. So if you kind of put that together with the Ovi killing or the Ovi uh, branding killing, it's starting to look a little real. What do what do you think about the idea? that Microsoft would first buy uh, Nokia's phone business or that Mm -hmm. Nokia would even get out of the the mobile business entirely? Well, you know, I I mean, my initial reaction was, wow, this is some crazy news. And then I thought, well, actually, it makes perfect sense. I mean, if Microsoft is taking over Nokia little by little, to take over uh, the handset business is a huge step, but it makes the most sense for Microsoft since there are so many handsets, especially in the European market, um, under Nokia now. On top of that, we have a, a statement from a Nokia PR guy, Mark Squires, saying on Twitter, we normally don't comment on rumors, as you know, but we have to say that Eldar's rumors are obviously getting less accurate with every passing moment. So he's saying that may, might not be true, but he's also not saying it's not true. Yeah, it's I mean, weird. it's weird because uh, the this blogger, El, Eldar Murdazin, sorry, I'm always, we're always um, bad with names, people we haven't met before, I mean, he's, he's obviously got an in with Nokia, right? He's getting handsets before he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. He's got, he gets rumors right. Uh, information is being leaked to him. So whether or not this is true remains to be seen. Obviously, Nokia PR wants people to think that he's not a credible source, but they don't really have much to stand on if he has been a credible source in the past. I mean, considering Lenovo bought IBM's PC business, like right? if somebody told me years ago, IBM is not, they're going to sell their PC division. I'd be like, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. What would they do from then on? They did. And Nokia, like somebody told me, Windows Phone 7 coming to Nokia, dumping Symbian. I didn't see that coming either. But uh, so this, this is an interesting idea. Microsoft has done this before. They bought Danger. Mm-hmm. They bought handset makers. They tried it with the And kin. that worked out really well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> really well for six weeks but, before it got canned. You know, it's not like Nokia has only ever been a phone manufacturer. They they used to do galoshes. They they've done tires. I don't know if they're going to go back into the tire business. Who knows? But uh, that's that's you know. See, I find it. It's a little bit of a stretch to think that Nokia would get out of the manufacturing of phones because they make some fantastic handsets, and that's what Microsoft needs. Uh, and it sounds like I don't know. I could I could totally see them just becoming the the handset supplier and Microsoft doing the software. That's the way I see it. So this but is. But it not sounds like they would be maybe uh, maybe uh, merging their own software with the Ovi stuff, which never really took off. It started in 07. It's it's always been plagued with problems. Um, in fact, they shut down 27 of the 33 countries that they operated their music uh, services in back in January. So, you know, it, so Ovi's been on the decline. But then the, there's some other Ovi properties that are really good, like Ovi Maps. So I could see some sort of Bing Ovi infusion with the Nokia hardware, and uh, and that's something that could really help uh, Windows 7, you know, because they just, they make great hardware. I mean, yeah, doesn't this see, sound like th this rumor has legs if you think of it in terms of Microsoft saying, we just need to have Windows 7 on as many handsets as possible. So if they're now running Nokia's handset business, then all of a sudden they have so many more options than they do now. Yeah, when, when Microsoft has, or not Microsoft, when the software companies have an end-to-end -end experience, like Apple, they're good at mm -hmm. this. We make the software, we make the hardware. They don't have to worry so much if, if, about incompatibilities. They don't have to worry about getting uh, updates uh, that way because everything's all within the same company. So, I mean, when they, when they originally did the Zune, they were using Toshiba. That didn't work so well. Then they made their own stuff work pretty well. 360, the same kind of thing. I know it had its red rings of death and everything. But for the most part, it's a pretty good experience. So, for them to control end-to-end -end might be helpful. I don't know how true this is going to turn out to be. You know, the way that I see this, I, I look at what's happening here with the phones, and it really makes me uh, think back to the, just the original PC when you had all of those different manufacturers of the PC. And, you know, now, like, like look at, like, who expected HP and Compaq to, to get together a decade ago. And I feel like right now we're kind of in that era of these smartphones where there are so many players. And as, as much as I hate it, it seems like choice is going to diminish. Well, you know, uh, well, Migo and, uh, and, and Symbian are great offerings and stuff. Um, I, I have a feeling that we're going to see more and more companies getting together and there will be less players in the field. And hopefully it's not just going to be, you know, a iPhone Android race. But, uh, but if this is what it takes for, Nokia and Microsoft to uh, maintain, you know, their competitiveness, then that, that may be what's going to happen. All right. We've got quite a bit of news uh, in the search realm uh, specific to Microsoft. In fact, uh, Microsoft apparently is close to a big search deal with Baidu. That's at least uh, some of the rumblings in the Chinese press. Um, along with that, Bing has added Facebook recommendations to search. So... I, if I'm understanding this correctly, that would mean if I'm using Bing as search and I search for uh, Twit TV, for example, along with the search result that comes up, I might see how many thousands of my friends have liked Twit TV on Facebook, uh, the page that relates to Twit TV because of that search term. That's, that's assuming that you've logged into Facebook somewhere in another tab or, or previously in your session. Uh, they announced this deal a long time ago, but it's actually going live today or tomorrow, depending on who you're reading. Microsoft says today. So we're saying today, uh, if you log into Facebook, you'll see the results. The links will say 30 of your friends like this. You might see their names. And if they haven't actually checked out this particular term you're looking up, 
like if you search for some reason monkey and your friends aren't writing about monkeys for whatever reason, because most people do, they'll look <laughs> at Facebook as a whole mm-hmm. and their public information. Now, Google, they scrape public information from, from Facebook, but uh, Microsoft and Bing, they have, the ac- they have access to your friend's stuff. So if you see, ever see that little plug-in, we're talking about this, like on a gadget or something, 30,000 30, of your friends liking gadget, same kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of the bigger blogs especially will have... That, that little widget, mm-hmm. um, which makes it easy for you to like something. And it's easier to like something when you see, you know, they'll have like, it's like the, the 10 thumbnails and it's usually you the, see your the friends. 10 You're friends. You're like, hey, they like, this hey, is my Veronica next. Hey, Veronica liked Engadget. I'll like Engadget too. That was easy. So it's the same idea, but just in search results rather than actual destinations. And the, and the big, go ahead. No, I was just wondering. So what does Twitter have if, if Bing has Facebook? Twitter doesn't have any. Deals. I'm sorry. Did I say Twitter? I meant Google. Which well, Google has have, Twitter. So Google has Twitter. You answered your own question. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Google has Twitter uh, results, um, and that's fairly new. I mean, tweets will will appear. They have at, buzz. at the top of results. They have buzz. They also have plus one, which is still in the Google experiments um, in in the lab section. So you actually have to turn that on. It's not on by default, but um, you know. So Google's working on that stuff. But I think that having face, I mean, Facebook, anybody who tells you um, who has uh, Facebook comments enabled, for example, will say, um, as soon as you start incorporating Facebook as much as possible into your traffic, I mean, it is, it it only helps people. So to have uh, Facebook likes and results to be in Bing search would appear to be a huge boon for Microsoft, but I think you still have to be using Bing search. And that, I mean, yes, they are gaining um, we talk about all the time how Bing search is gaining in numbers against Google search. But for many others, there's still that big switch that just isn't being made. So, I mean, Bing could be as awesome as possible. But if I still want to do my Google search or an alternative search the way that I've been doing it before without switching, I'm not going to reap any of these benefits. And that's probably why Microsoft's been so aggressive with Bing. I mean, if they're doing a deal with Baidu and they're going to power Baidu's English language search. Mm-hmm. People will see their results, even though they're not necessarily going over there. Google's tried to go into China. They've had their issues with the government there. And Microsoft's willing to play ball because this is like one-seventh of the population of the world right. in China. Yeah. And to not go to that market, is, is, it's business-wise really stupid. You have to do business with China uh, if you want to succeed in the world. And so if Microsoft keeps making these aggressive deals... They have Facebook in the United States. So Facebook's not in China. And they work with Baidu. They could start gaining more and more market share to the point where people might start thinking, hey, I'll use Bing too. You know, it's well, you know, I, the, the thing that I think about this is great, you know, because right now, you know, you get your Bing results, you get your, your Google results, and they look kind of similar. You know, uh, you know, Google using page rank. Well, if... If Bing is using, say, the social uh, graph, the, the the likes and whatnot from Facebook to kind of add to the weight of their search results, then that means when you go to Bing, you could have like a completely different search experience with, well, what's popular with, you know, the masses on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's also interesting. I mean, what is Microsoft doing right as far as uh, being able to get into the Chinese market? Oh, they're Who- evil. Google. That's all it takes. Well, yeah, don't Google, be evil. Do. They don't have the phrase "don't be evil." So there you go. But it's. I mean, Google hasn't had much luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yahoo. Um, not. We just talked yeah, last week about place. how you know the the their um, Alibaba uh, based in China and Yahoo are they're 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 having issues internally. What is Microsoft doing right? Being evil? No. Well, they negotiate. How about that? I guess so. Yeah, they they've got ball. good. 
good negotiators. All right, moving on to a story uh, we started talking about last week, which was a, a bit troubling. A company called Loadsys, which um, holds patents, many patents, uh, but a few patents specifically related to in-app purchases and upgrading, had gone after some iOS developers saying, hey, you know that whole upgrade button in your calculator app? Well, you can't do that and you owe us money. Um, a lot of people came out to say, ah, this is a this is a patent troll company and these people are just, they're, they're the bad guys and they're, and they're trying to bully people into getting money. Well, they put out a blog post. Uh, which well, first they announced a blog. They made a blog. They didn't have a blog before. They didn't have a blog before at nope. all. Wow. They, just, they just launched this thing around the 15th or so, and they are trying to explain. It, it, their blog is effectively an FAQ. Mm-hmm. They're explaining, you know, is Lotus shooting in the dark hoping for a payout? Uh, you know, why are you, what are you charging? A whole bunch of this stuff. And uh, what effectively what they're saying on this blog is what anybody with a patent would say. We have a patent on the technology. Somebody's using that technology. They have to pay us. That's the way the system works. Uh, and in the blog post, they're saying that Apple, Google, and Microsoft all have licenses for, quote, its nameplate products and services. So assuming that's the upgrade stuff, because they don't, they don't uh, actually say that. They're not saying that it's this particular patent involved. Uh, then that means these three companies are playing ball with them. They're saying, okay. Yeah, Lotus says they want 0.575% of revenue from U.S. sales uh, due from the receipt of the notice letter until the expiration of the patent. Yeah, but they also rather vaguely say, listen, we're working with Apple, Google, and Microsoft. But in what way are they working with Apple where Apple's been completely silent about this, at least over the weekend? I was hoping by now Apple would have said something like, listen, we'll take care of these guys. Or uh, at least the developers would have said, we've talked to Apple and we, you know, we have our next steps. Because they, these are a lot of independent developers who are freaked out. You know, Are they going to have to owe this company all this money or have to shut down their services? You know, this is livelihood for people. Why hasn't Apple said anything? Well, I mean, a lot of technologies are licensed by Apple. I mean, to run a DVD, you have to license MPEG-2. If you have SD cards, you have to pay a license fee. So they don't tell you necessarily, hey, by the way, when you buy a MacBook, we're that we're subsidizing mm-hmm. our license fees of with course. the MacBook. Yeah, but, but the difference is when you're you're licensing that SD card, you know, you're you're getting it from the whatever the SD card working group or whatever, whoever it is that made that. You know, they just bought these patent patents, they're sitting on them and they're trying to cash in on them. Right. They're not they're not making think, anything with this. Well, that's and, and not I the way patents get, work. You don't have to I make know, anything. This isn't trademark I, you law. You know, no, no. Don't get me wrong, Ayaz. I completely agree with you. I understand that's the way it works. I just wish that that wasn't the case because oh. it, it just sounds sleazy. Well, you know, I mean, and this isn't the first time they've done this. I mean, back in February, they they went after uh, Brother, HP, Canon, Lexmark, Hulu, Lenovo, Motorola, Novell. I mean, wherever there's money, I guess. Well, I mean, the thing is, I like back to my whole IBM thing. What does IBM do now? A lot of their stuff is R and D. So they just come up with patents, or they create methods and and Mm -hmm. they patent them and then they license them now normally they don't just wait around for people just to come up with the same thing and then sue them what they do is they go hey knock on doors and they go hey do you want this technology so that makes somebody less of a patent troll and actually somebody doing r&d this company obviously bought the patent so everyone goes you're just making money off of this well any one of us could have done this right so i mean i know that's the it sounds horrible unfortunately that's the way the system works right now so if you're really if you're watching this and you hate this you got to talk to your Congress people and try to get this changed. Other than that, I can just tell you how this works, but not how can I fix it. It's unfortunate that this is the case, but this is the case. Well, hopefully, um, as, especially if more developers come forward saying, hey, Lodzis, you know, I got a packet from them too, certified mail. We've got issues that um, it, one way or another, um, Apple will or, come forward and we'll get a little if, bit more light shed on what kind of deal they have with Lodzis 
and why this is an issue for iOS. Well, the other thing is if, SD, if the SD companies, like the SD card manufacturers, were suing consumers of MacBook Pros, Apple might go, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be interfering with our consumers. You know, maybe you mm-hmm. shouldn't be going after I, our iOS developers either. That's probably what's going to happen. Apple's probably going to show it's, I don't know, they have a sizable legal team. Mm-hmm. They kind of go after people, <laughs> whatever they feel like it. So uh, Lotus and Apple, I think we'll have a discussion behind closed doors, well, and this will be settled. Yeah, and you're talking about, you know, if you don't like it, you can talk to your congresspeople. Well, you know, if, say, there's prior art on this, you might be able to pass that on to Apple's legal defense team. Yes, that's quite possible. All right, moving on to Canada, where Tom is. Uh, But we're not going to talk about Tom. We're going to talk about the iPod tax. Well, we're not really going to talk about the iPod tax, although this might be reminiscent of that because uh, the Canadian Copyright Collective is demanding... A memory card tax, so specifically a levy. It's technically different for some reason. Uh, All right, a levy. Not a Chevy, just a levy. You can drive a Chevy to a levy. You can take it to the levy, yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the details are 50 cents for every electronic memory card with one gigabyte of memory or less. So a dollar for memory cards with more than a gigabyte of memory but less than eight. And three dollars for memory cards with eight gigs and up. Um, Canadians currently do pay levies on blank CDs and cassettes for those who are still buying cassettes. So this isn't, you know, anything that's super, you know, out there and new. When I look at these numbers, I think, okay, well, um, a gigabyte of memory or less isn't even something I'm going to bother to buy. So, I mean, I would be in the eight gigs or more category. Three dollars isn't going to break my bank. But but here's the thing. It's always going to be eight gigs or more. Who's ever going to buy a memory exactly. card less than eight gigs today? So if these rules are always static, then it's it's you know going to always be an additional three dollars. And what's going to happen is that eight gig memory stick today that costs I don't know making up some numbers fifteen dollars. Tack on an extra three. Well, in a year from now, that same eight gig stick is going to be like a dollar. Except no, it's going to be four dollars because three of it's going to go to the CPCC. The other thing is, I mean, the, these other levies were on blank CDs and cassettes. That's kind of related to music and that kind of thing. But SD cards, or these electronic memory cards, which could be anything, I guess, mm-hmm. that could hold anything. It could be photos. It can be videos. So it's not necessarily even in the same spirit as this other stuff. So it's kind of, it's starting to get a little broad. I mean, at right. what point and is it going to be on just everything? Yeah, and they currently have, you know, like the, the, the um, levy on audio recording media. Unfortunately, CDRs, I guess they consider... Only for audio, even though you could use them for data. This is an addition to. They've got, um, you know, uh, other levies on, like, say, non-removable media devices. You know, like audio recorders that don't take like an SD card, have their own built-in hard drive or something like that. Twenty-five dollars for uh, field recorders with um, ten gigs or more of storage. Get, get angry, Canadians. Yeah, get angry. These levies are trash. Or Bad come to levy. the states to buy your SD cards. Yeah, no, it, it makes perfect. Se- <laughs> it it doesn't make perfect sense that there were levies in the first place. But I do understand someone saying, "Listen, you know, with it, with audio, and we've got to we, we've got to keep this under control." But you're right, Ayaz. Um, a, a memory card can have anything on it. A bunch of photos that are, were taken by you, copyright belongs to you, or or I don't know, you know, a bunch of stuff from school, or I mean, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. I used to uh, frequent Toronto uh, quite a bit when I was on uh, G4 Tech TV's uh, call for help up there. And uh, the, the consensus that I heard from you know, some, some buddies there was the, they were like, I can pirate whatever music I want. I'm already paying, you know, paying the tax for the CDR for going. <laughs> I wish that was true. <laughs> if only. I'll join that. 
It was yeah, that's, great. that's kind of fuzzy logic, but anyway. Yeah, I like it, though. <laughs> All right, on to the news views. Netflix and Miramax want you to instantly stream Kill Bill. So they've signed a multi-year agreement that will add Beatrix Kiddo and many of other Miramax's other popular films like Pulp Fiction, Spy Kids, and Goodwill Hunting, just to name a few, to Netflix's Watch Instantly platform in June on a rotating basis. It's the first time that Miramax titles have been available on a digital subscription service, so go Netflix. Yeah, be careful about doing a Miramax kind of marathon. You don't want your kids watching Spy Kids and then Pulp Fiction. <laughs> uh, last week we talked about Grocklaw maybe ending today. Well, that's not happening. Grocklaw will not stop publication today. The site has an article up announcing Mark Webbink as the new editor of the site, uh, he was the general counsel at Red Hat and is a law professor at New York Law School. And so it looks like Rocklaw will live on as a great source for law and free and open source software information. The 500 gigabyte iPad is a reality. Woo! Sort of. Actually, it's Seagate. They've introduced the GoFlex satellite, which is a portable hard drive with a built-in Wi-Fi server capable of streaming the content over to your iPad, over that Wi-Fi. So if you don't want to have to stream your files from the cloud, there's another option for you. TEPCO, that's the company running the Fukushima nuclear reactors in Japan, released a provisional analysis of the events that occurred in Reactor 1 when the tsunami struck that explains how water levels drop below uh, fuel level, caused a complete meltdown and extensive damage to the reactor vessel uh, occurred. This new analysis was actually made possible by installing air purifiers that actually let the workers back into the nuclear reactor control room to recalibrate some core uh, reactor core monitoring equipment. They hadn't been able to go in there before. Water is helping the cooling effort, but obviously the issue of radioactive leaks is ongoing and extensive. And in much lighter news, last week we told you about how Yahoo's investment in Alibaba, a Chinese e-commerce firm, kind of went sour since Alibaba transferred ownership of one of its most important assets called Alipay to another company. Well, today, Yahoo and Alibaba issued a joint statement saying they are, quote, engaged and in committed, engaged in and committed to productive negotiations to resolve the outstanding issues related to Alipay. You can read that to me. The two companies are having some really, really tense talks in a room somewhere. Yes, Carol Bartz is yelling at somebody. Yes, and they're somewhere getting, getting along so well. She is mad. All right, I got some good news and bad news for you Samsung Galaxy S fans. The good news is that the uh, Galaxy S and the Tab are finally getting Android 2.3 Gingerbread. Now, the not-so-good news is that the update isn't coming all at once. Gingerbread is going to hit the UK and Nordic countries soon, and then they say the rest of the world after that. Now, what does soon mean? Samsung's saying mid-May. Well, since it's the 16th, uh, I guess we should expect that about now? Yeah, so any minute now. All right. iPhone case makers, they're just like us, except when they manufacture iPhone 5 cases that hint to know more than we do about upcoming models. Hmm. One such case surfaced in a listing at Asian trading site Alibaba, who we were just talking about, with a larger edge-to-edge screen and a repositioned flash on the other side. So it's not actually right next to, to the, uh, the shutter. It's sort of on the other side. Uh, you would think that that would improve the quality of the picture. No, so, but what it's going to allow you to do is since the, the, since the flash and the lens are right there, you're going to be able to come up with a, a case that's got like a smile underneath and totally anthropomorphize the iPhone. Ew. See, ho- you can I see it right now. Just put a smile on it. I guess so, right. <laughs> Except that with one eye you kind of got a other. wonky eye 
type of a situation. Well, you know, it's you know, the Apple-like symmetry. O capital O. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you're right, Darren. <laughs> Apple's like, this is going to be the cutest cases ever. I'm happy this leaked out. Uh, so we don't really know <laughs> if this is a new iPhone 5 design or not because uh, case makers have a history of trying to guess maybe having insider information. It's very unclear, but you can expect a lot more speculation all summer long. It's going to be so great. Amazing. Yay. Want to buy some Spectrum? What yes. if I told you the Spectrum was located in the very scenic country of France and the Spectrum will be able to support 4G wireless technology? Oui, oui. Well, mm. you're in luck because the French government is selling 18 blocks of Spectrum in September. And France just wants 2.5 billion euros at least, or that's $3.6 billion. Oh. Uh, so if you want to buy it, start saving up those pennies. Uh, we should go in on that. Yeah, yes. I mean, if we if yeah. we start saving now, by the end of the summer, we probably collectively can summer, buy that spectrum. We'll yeah. just sell a few more bricks. Of yeah, t- summer twenty fifty. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, billions. I, I, are not I got that a couple that anymore. I could donate. There we go. That would How's be that? great. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> we'll sell those bricks. <laughs> yes. Brick by brick, we'll get there. Spectrum, we're coming for you. Uh, finally, this is a. Your guys are gonna love this. Uh, I don't even know how to set up the oh, story. Um, an Israeli couple, uh, they already had two children uh, in, with interesting names. Uh, their first child was named Pi, as in, you know, berry pie. The food. Yes, uh, pie after the food. Uh, second kid was named Vash, which is a Hebrew word uh, translated into English, means honey. Their third child, they have named Like. Why have they named it Like? Well, they decided to name it after Facebook Likes. Hmm. Take it from a guy named Ayaz. <laughs> Do yourself, parents, do yourself a favor and don't saddle your kids with the weird name when they go to school. Well, now. They've they got some other kids with some weird names. You know? now, well, they did it three times. Honey. Yeah. Pie. Pie, honey. But when like is a whole pictures- different thing because pie and honey are edible, delectable type things. Mmm, yummy, sweet. Facebook like buttons. That's a that's a whole another realm. I mean, this it's kid's going to learn her name or his name very easily. It's I know. Everywhere. We, don't, we don't even know if it's Dude. a male or female. I, no, it's, it's, it's a female, I think, because okay. I, I saw a niece somewhere. Like. Um, mm-hmm. But, wow. Sounds like it was totally worth it, though, because they already posted pictures on Facebook and they got 40 likes. Oh, absolutely worth it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, you know, in college, when like goes off to college and everyone goes, hee, 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 remember that whole social networking service that you got named after? Burn on you. (laughs) Well, hopefully they all have like... Nobody wants to get named after Friendster. They have traditional (laughs) middle names. Let's hope they have that. It's like L and it's like... I mean, Ayaz is not... I, I, it is an unusual name. In this place, it is. Uh, I, at least in California, I don't know another IAS that I can think of. Well, well wait I. until Apple comes out with an IAS product, though. But, but you I'm weren't waiting. named after a, a function of a no, social No, my name means site. shelter, but they didn't call me shelter, which no. is nice. Right. They didn't call this person, I mean, like like Pi. Why did they name a kid Pi? Uh, because Pi is delicious and wonderful mm. and makes the world go round. Facebook like buttons, you could argue do the same. <laughs> At least they didn't name the kid 3.1415962. Yes. That'd be irrational. You're right. It would, it, would be, it would be hard when, you know, there's a substitute teacher who isn't familiar with the name. All right, onto the calendar. This morning, NASA's Endeavor blasted off into space for its final space flight. Two weeks, actually, after it was supposed to have launched. That was, of course, postponed for technical reasons. It's a two-week mission, so very exciting. Uh, I know some folks who were there, uh, took some video, took some pictures. 
And I thought uh, you meant they were on the. F- no, I don't actually know <laughs> on anybody the flight. personally. I, I know there of them. There they go in the video. Uh, it's beautiful. Oh, there's your friends. Gotta there's your friends. Yeah. There's friends are on that ship right now. Uh, yeah, I actually own that shuttle. Endeavor. Oh yeah, yeah, that's mine. That's good. You can uh, buy Spectrum too. Yeah, they rented it, kind of you know like an Amazon server from me. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's great. Good stuff. This Thursday, May 19th, you, yes, you, can get a piece of LinkedIn because it's the LinkedIn IPO. The company is hoping to raise $274 million, in fact, this week for a pretty major social media IPO. Biggest yet? I think so. It'll begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol LNKD. And you know what else Thursday is? It's Apple's 10th anniversary of their retail stores. Just setting up rumors that something's going to happen that day. Ooh, would, Ooh. They, would they possibly announce something, you know, sort of like, you know, the Beatles collection? It could just be Happy Thursday. Or just, right. or just Happy 10th anniversary to us. Special wallpaper on the iPads. I, you know, I was trying to think of where we were 10 years ago, and if I remember there ever being Apple stores, and it seems like I don't remember Apple stores as far back as 10 years, but... You know, maybe their so. their first iterations of retail was uh, was different than the Genius Bars that we know them and love them for today, or some of us know them and love them for anyway. Firefox 3.5 users who have automatic updates are going to have to make some very difficult choices between Firefox 3.6 or 4.0 because Mozilla is giving 3.5 the boot. We don't know exactly when, sometime next month. Make your choices. I would, I would say round up to four. Why not? You might as well go to four anyway. Yeah, why, why not? not? Let's go on to the voicemails. We have an anonymous call. Again, we don't know if he's part of the group anonymous, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's about TV studios and online strategy. Hello, TNT. I'd like to stay anonymous for the sake of an- anonymity. But I think what television studios, especially in the U.S., need to understand, and they need to take a lesson from porn. What we want to pay so much a month and get everything, get it as when it comes out, get it new and get it complete in their back catalog. That's what we want as consumers. And porn's figured it out. Just will the big companies and the legitimate media. Bye. I don't know how anonymous he was. He sounded Canadian. Canadian. So possibly. We've got you geolocated. We figured that out. Are you from Minnesota? <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting idea. You pay one fee, you get a back catalog, you get future stuff when it shows up. What do you think? Well, I love the idea of that. I'm just not sure why porn had to come into the conversation. Well, no, it's you know, but I think it's that way because porn's more competitive in that sense. Where with the studios, you've got far less of them, so they don't have to go through. You know, they don't have to offer as much to to stay competitive. Sure. Well, yeah. porn drives technology. I mean, it really does. You know, it's true. I, I can I can tee hee about it, but uh, they, they it's do. YVHS one right. back in the day. Yeah. Because Betamax is too expensive. Listen up, streaming services. Follow porn's model. Give yeah, us what so we what want when we want it. TV studios, you should watch more porn. That's right. Exactly. It's just, just the way it should be. And we got an email from Ed from Florida. Dear TNT, listening to TNT 242 about the 350 Canadian CVs being compromised. Tom's point about gleaning information from the CVs in regards to alma maters, work history, date of birth, interest, and favorite things for social engineering scammage. It seems exactly the same information that is available on many people's Facebook profiles for a lot less effort. Love the show. By CVs, it was the the conversation we were having about um, resumes being taken, resume CV. Sometimes people don't know the difference. Uh, I think Ed makes a really good point. I still have friends, and I keep saying, why do you do this, who have their phone numbers, their physical addresses, everything is public within a 
um, within a very specific friends list on Facebook. And they just say, hey, you know, I've, I've got my, my privacy settings the way that I want them. I don't care if you know where I live. You know my phone number. And I go, well, yeah, but what if for some reason I was logged into a computer and walked away and somebody else, you know, it's just, it seems like a lot of information to share for no real benefit. Yeah, oversharing, basic, simple logic. If you overshare, that information can come back and people can use it for anything. Exactly. Darren, are you an oversharer on your Facebook profile? I got to be honest, my cell phone number is on my Facebook profile and I friend anybody that requests. Um, and having that kind of transparency and transparency and being that public with my audience has only led to good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I get a prank call every now and then and it's fine. But uh, every now, like when I was motorcycling across the country, I was in, um, uh, what is the name of that, that place? Uh Anyway, somewhere up north, Cincinnati, and I got a call from a guy, a text, and it says, hey, would you like to go on the rooftop of the largest building that's still under construction in Cincinnati? And I was like, well, yeah, and I got to see the most amazing view of the city, and it was only because, you know, I put myself out there in that regard. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's quite the risk you to took. He's like, I'm just going to well, take up high right here, and uh, I don't and, know yeah. yet. <laughs> So, well, also, it's a Google Voice number, and I think that changes everything because you can add filters and stuff like that when it comes true. to Google Voice. So I get one prank call, and I never hear from them again. Well, for someone like Darren, it's worth it. Obviously, you have to decide if it's worth it for you, but be careful with your information. Uh, next email from Norm. Uh, he's in Austin and says, hey, guys, uh, this is in response to uh, this whole name suggestion conversation you were having for that segment that you do after the news views that doesn't really have a name, but is kind of wacky and zany. How about Dino Light? <laughs> Maybe the sound <laughs> intro could be a fizzling fuse, or you could get a Jimmy Walker sound like deliver a less enthusiastic version of his famous catchphrase, Dino Light! Or just have somebody say, TNT, it's time for Dino Light! That's actually just the way that I would say it. I don't know if Norm wants me to say it that way. I think it can pay the that out. That's it. That's it. Right there. Yeah. Norm says it rolls Every time off we the have tongue. a dinosaur story, we'll just go to that cut. See, that, that's kind of the problem with naming the segment is that even though it, it, I mean, today it was the Facebook like baby. So that's just, it's a bit of a random story. We thought it was worth including into the show, but it doesn't really fit into any other category. Is it Dino Light? I don't, I don't know. know. Not just I don't think yet. That fits. So if you got other no. suggestions, we'd love to hear them. We would love to. Yeah, you can. Uh, a good try. You can send us an email at tnt at twit.tv, or of course you can send us a voicemail as anonymous from Canada who watches porn did. Two six zero TNT shows our number. And uh, thanks everybody for joining us, Darren. Thanks for joining us via Skype. Let everybody know how they can reach you the rest of the week when it's not you guys, Monday. You guys have got to go over to hak5.org this week. We're uh, launching a new show. Uh, actually, that'll air next week, and we're super excited about it. So head on over. We've got a great episode about all sorts of fun hacking stuff, breaking into Windows boxes. All you have to do is burn a little USB key, and you're good to go. It's so good. Check it out. All right, Darren. Thanks so much. Tom Merritt is off the rest of the week. Ayaz and I will be holding down the fort with Jason. I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to survive. We'll see you tomorrow on TNT. Bye, everybody.